Hello. Welcome to Discovering Jazz, where you and I together discover great music, picking up information to keep jazz old and new alive. My name is Larry Sademan, here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, sponsored by Peterborough Independent Podcasters. Have you noticed all those old recordings that have been recently unearthed? Over the past couple of weeks, I gave quite a few of them a listen. So impressive, the technology used to make old tapes sound so good. I put together three episodes playing something from many of these records. For those who were recently unearthed, I had a lot of curiosity about how they ended up being found. Some were discreetly recorded by a club owner, often without the performer's knowledge, like this first one. Ahmed Jamal. Two volumes from the early to mid-1960s from Seattle's Penthouse, just released last year on two double CDs called Emerald City Nights. Although the pianist had performed frequently at that uh, particular jazz landmark and was fond of the club's late owner, Charlie Puzzo, he had no ideas that the recordings of his early 60s performances there were even existed, much less that there were six hours worth. He stated, I worked there for many, many years and we did broadcasts, but I had no idea someone was going to unearth 59-year-old recordings, he laughed. Here's a tune composed by his bassist, Richard Evans. It's called Minor Adjustments, Abba Jamal.
Ahmad Jamal, a recent discovery from the early 1960s with Richard Evans' bass, Chuck Lampkin drums. Jamal referred to his music as American classical rather than jazz, and when you listen to that tune, you can understand why. And Jamal is still alive and performing in his 90s. Not all of the historical releases that excite jazz fans are brand new discoveries unearthed from someone's vault, garage, or basement. Some of them are simply remastered versions of albums that are quite available. Other times, they are records that have been very hard to find and are now in demand, such as this next one. Victoria, B.C. bassist Neil Swainson recorded an album of his own compositions in 1987 and was able to land two amazing and famous musicians to play on it, trumpeter Woody Shaw and tenor saxophonist Joe Henderson. He then approached Concord Records to see if they'd take it. They eventually released it in 1989. It became a very rare and sought-after record, even though apparently it did sell well when it was originally released. Woody Shaw had died by the time it was released, so this was his last studio recording. He had become blind by the time this record was made, and he couldn't read the charts, so Swainson had to play him the tunes on the piano, and with his great ear, Shaw was able to memorize them. From that album, called 49th Parallel, re-released on the Cellar Live label in 2020, here is Home Stretch, Neil Swainson.
originally from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, Neil Swainson. That's a re-released 1987 recording. With Swainson on bass, Gary Williams in piano, Jerry Fuller drums, Woody Shaw on trumpet, and Joe Henderson tenor sax. Next, how about a singer's first album that was actually recorded and pressed, and not only does she not know of its existence, she can't even recall the session. Sheila Jordan's The Lost Session, Comes Love, just released last year, was recorded in 1960 from her earliest known recording session, two years before the release of her first commercially available album on Blue Note. Two record collectors discovered Jordan's lost album while visiting record shops in New York and purchasing a large quantity of acetates, and this was among them. Sheila Jordan is 95 years old now. She does occasional performances and is active on social media. She states that she doesn't remember this session at all and doesn't know who the backup musicians are. This particular song I'm going to play It's mistitled on the album as All the Sad Young Man rather than Man. It's written by Tommy Wolfe and Fran Landsman. Sheila Jordan. Sing a song of sad young men Glasses full of rye All the new is bad again kiss your dreams goodbye all the sad young men sitting in the bar Knowing neon nights Missing all the stars All the sad young men Drifting through the town Singing 
trying to be brave, running from the truth, while the grimy Jordan. This month we lost one of the most important figures in jazz, composer and saxophonist Wayne Shorter. I found an interview that he did just last December with Don Waz of Blue Note Records. It was in conjunction with some concert recordings that were made of Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers that featured Shorter, along with Lee Morgan trumpet, Bobby Timmons piano, and bassist Jaime Merritt. I'm playing you just a segment of that interview, focusing on the reception they received in Japan, the first known American jazz superstars to play there. Were you surprised at the at the reception American jazz got in Japan, even, yeah. even compared to in this country? Yeah, it was like the almost like overwhelming because we thought we were cool anyway. You getting off the plane and, and we, in the airport, all of a sudden, all these lights and it's photographers and people man, and presents. They had all these packages and and it would say a dozo, handing a dozo, dozo, please, please, dozo. <laughs> the first interview, they asked us, they kept asking us, what is originality? And why are you here? And we just thought, well, the promoters, got us here, the promoters, and the people in Japan really wanted to see what this, uh, they, 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 they would see, they would wanted to witness something authentic. And that word authentic came out as, during the conversation, and what is originality? So we went there and uh, knowing that no other jazz group has gone, but here's the thing, when we left Japan, I'm not skipping being in it. We went to Japan maybe two times. I didn't know art would stay stay behind 
and come back later. I didn't know what, it, it took me years to find out that he stayed behind because he was working with young children. They, they called it the drum and fife corps. And uh, in, in the Japanese, they call it kotekitai. And they were Buddhists. And Art would be playing with them, working with them, showing them, teaching them. And he stayed a couple of days more. Thank you very much. That, At this you know? time, we'd like to do a tune composed and arranged by the great Dizzy Gillespie. And we sincerely hope you enjoy, ladies and gentlemen, our Blue Note recording of A Night in Tunisia.
From the first flight to Tokyo, the lost 1961 recordings. That's Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, preceded by a 2021 interview of Wayne Shorter by Blue Note Records' Don Waz. You heard Night in Tunisia with Wayne Shorter, Lee Morgan, Bobby Timmons, and Jaime Merritt, along with Art Blakey. Now, let's go to a re-released album. Ornette Coleman has been credited as being one of the founders of free jazz, yet his first two albums, which have recently been reissued under the name of Genesis of Genius, seems much closer to bebop. What I've heard of them I quite like, so I want to play a track from that re-release. From his first album, Something Else, from 1958, with Don Cherry on trumpet, plus pianist Walter Norris, bassist Don Payne, and drummer Billy Higgins. One thing distinguishing this album was that Coleman used an alto sax made of plastic. Also, there's a piano, and Coleman later abandoned that instrument in his uh, subsequent recordings. This particular tune, Chippy, is even in the real book, a book of charts that students of jazz frequently use when a tune is called out in a jam session. Ornette Coleman. Thank you. 
Ornette Coleman. Before I talk about this next series of re-release tracks, I want you to guess who this pianist is. That's a release from clarinetist Barney Biggard from 1945, and the pianist? It's Art Tatum. Never have I heard Tatum sound so restrained, much more introverted than usual. This is from an 11-CD set called Classic Black and White Sessions. The label, called Black and White, existed from 1943 to 1949, This compilation covers all the years of their existence and most of the recordings with the exception, for some reason, of those by T-Bone Walker. That track was called Blues for Art's Sake. It was the B-side of a tune that, while maybe not a hit, ended up being pretty popular. It's called Sweet Marijuana Brown by the Barney Pickard Sextet with Joe Thomas on trumpet, another Joe Thomas, I think, on tenor sax and vocal, Barney Biggard, clarinet, Art Tatum piano, Stan Levy drums, Billy Taylor on bass. A tune written by the famous jazz critic and founder of Downbeat Magazine's Blindfold Test, Leonard Feather. Boy, she's really 
Bigger than six dat, and here our Tatum sounds more like our Tatum than on the flip side. Let's hear one more from the 11 disc black and white sessions compilation. One person who sang on that label was an alumni of the Duke Ellington Orchestra who retired in the early 40s due to her asthma, and in her semi retirement, she formed her own group and recorded for this label. From 1946, here is Ivy Anderson and her All Stars. The Jimmy McHugh and Dorothy Field song, On the Sunny Side of the Street. Rover crossed 
Anderson and her all-stars. I'm going to play more from this great Black and White Sessions set in subsequent episodes of Great New Historical Albums over the next couple weeks. Ending this week's episode with one of jazz's greatest drummers, here are some previously unreleased recordings from drummer Elvin Jones from three days of a gig that he had at an obscure New York establishment called Pookie's Pub from July of 1967 with saxophonist Joe Farrell, pianist Billy Green, and bassist Wilbur Little. Elvin Jones' drumming was considered as much a defining aspect of 60s modal jazz and post-bop as John Coltrane was. Here is Victoria drummer Kelby McNair describing what it is about his drumming that made it unique for the time. Elvin had a really round triplet feel that he liked to play with, which means that as opposed to like, check, 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 he's playing check, so the triplet is this underlying rhythm of one triplet, two triplet, three triplet, four triplet, one triplet. So that's like the inner structure. So it's kind of like the triplet is the skeleton, and on top you see just the skin, which is, you know, what you hear. But on the inside, there's this subdivision happening. This thing bubbling. But what Elvin did is he played a lot of those, but he played them in different ways. So isn't you know is is a way of playing those triplets more so than they would have been played before. So Elvin used those triplets. He spread them out across the bar line. He also spread them out in the time. He made them fatter. He also spread them out around the drum set physically. So he played where he would move that triplet around the drum set through different toms melodically. You can hear what Kelby's talking about, even as Elvin Jones and his ensemble play a ballad. Here's their recording of My Funny Valentine with Joe Farrell on flute, Billy Green piano, and Wilbur Little bass from 1967. And this is Larry Sadman saying bye for now reminding you to tune in next week for more great historical recordings, re-releases, and new discoveries.